Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. So yesterday we were speaking about Surah Al-Ahzab. At the end of the 21st juz, that's how far we had reached. And Allah, and inshaAllah, uh, we, we, we ended with uh, the battle of the Ahzab, which is the, the, with the surah has the name Ahzab. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here speaks about an incident that happened in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with Allah's wajal mutaharat with his noble wives. Mutaharat, those that have been purified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is an incident that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we should remember, was from the time in Makkah al-Mukarramah, he had a very difficult life, all whatever finances he had, and his, in fact his wife's had, Khadija al-Hubra radiallahu anha had, she had dedicated that for the khidmah of the deen, for serving the deen, for spreading the deen. So her entire uh, life savings, all of her uh, fortune that she had, she had spent it for the serving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and khidmah of her husband and, and the service of the deen. Thereafter, there were challenges upon challenges uh, that led all the way to their migration in the hijrah to Medina al-Banawara. And in Medina, there were uh, again a lot of financial hardship. Whatever Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would get, he would give out to his wives and give them the rations for the whole year. This is the amount of um, grains you need, this is the amount of dates you need, this is what you need to get through the year. But they would be giving sadaqah themselves, and then they would end up not having food. And sometimes weeks and months would go by, a moon would be seen, then another moon, then another moon, without the stove being lit in the house of Rasulullah sallallahu Somebody asked, how would you survive? Then uh, Aisha said, with the, with, the, um, with the dates and the water. Allah Akbar. So this is the mujahada they had. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa towards the end of his life, uh, Allah ta'ala opened up the doors of, of risk and he had the fath of, of the, a couple different futuhat took place. Prominent one amongst them is Khaybar. When the fath of Khaybar took place, a lot of the dates from the orchards of Khaybar came into the control of Rasulullah and this money started pouring into Medina. But Nabi Wasallam at that time, uh, he, he continued to distribute this to others and giving out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the wives of Rasulullah Wasallam, they came and they asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam that if he could increase their monthly stipend. Can you increase for us? We're not asking you because you don't have it. When you did not have the money, we made sabar as well. Now Allah has given it to you and you're still distributing it out to others. So can you please increase for us uh, what you are giving us for our nafaqa, for expenditure money. And this hurt the feelings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw the pain that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was going through and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came and intervened on behalf of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and gave this command that is revealed in the Qur'an ila yawmil qiyamah Just like we covered in Surah Al-Hujrat or we did not cover it yet in, uh, in, in the tafsir yet we have mentioned in other places where when the Bedouins came and they were hurting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inconveniencing him by 
calling me out and speaking to him rudely. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came and he defended Rasulullah sallallahu and he spoke on his behalf and he taught the Bedouins how to address Rasulullah sallallahu So likewise here, he made the tarbiyah of the Azwaj al-Mutaharat and we have to be very careful because on one side, uh, they are our mothers as Surah Al-Ahzab itself mentions. The wives of Rasulullah are like the mothers of the believers. They are the mothers of the believers, spiritual mothers of the believers. So they are our mothers and we respect them. But here, um, this is between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Rasul and between Rasul and his wives. So there is a hierarchy there. So we are at the bottom of the pole. Uh, then Azwaj al-Mutaharat are above us and above Azwaj al-Mutaharat is Rasulullah status as he is above the entire Ummah and the entire, all the Anbiya. And above uh, Rasulullah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. So over here, just to lessen it before I even mention like how harsh the words are, these are the words that uh, Allah is uh, instructing Rasulullah to say to Azwaj. But we see that the role of Rasulullah the position of Rasulullah is higher than his Azwaj. But our position is nowhere near the Azwaj. Right? So we should, uh, we can never, na'udhu um, billah, say anything disrespectful to the Ummahatul. Mu'minin. And this is, a, this is a correction of their behavior of the, uh, that they asked Rasulullah. And to make it easier for us to swallow this, we can go so far as to say that whose personality from a Muslim perspective is um, there's no difference about his uh, personality being worthy of respect and at the highest level is Rasulullah himself. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we find in the Qur'an is correcting him. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is correcting Rasulullah sallallahu multiple examples of that. Like Abasa wa tawalla anja'ahu al-a'ma wa ma yujrika la'allahu yazakka. Why did you turn away from the blind sahabi? Abdullah bin Umm uh, Maktoum when you are talking to the leaders of the Quraysh. Or why did you give permission to these hypocrites when they came with their films, excuses and lies to get exempted from the battle of Tabuk? Afallahu anka. Allah has forgiven you when you made this mistake. Why did you for, give permission to these munafiqun? Until it becomes abundantly clear to you who, are, who is speaking the truth and who is lying. You did not investigate and you just said, it's okay, you're exempted, you're exempted. They came with their excuses. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even when he's correcting, his style is with so much respect for his Nabi. Even though his position is greater. He's the Khaliq and Nabi sallallahu is his makhluq. He is Allah and Nabi sallallahu is the abd of Allah. Yet Allah Ta'ala starts off by saying, Afallahu anka, Allah has forgiven you. Uh, so the first word of the reprimand is, or the correction is, Afallah, Allah is forgiven. And we're wondering, what has He forgiven? Then He says, afterwards, Afallahu anka, lima adhintalam, why you give them permission? Surah the Tawbah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala corrected His Nabi sallallahu Nabi sallallahu is correcting His azwaj, and the azwaj are in their position to correct us. Right? So if nobody should take it uh, uh, out of hand and um, disrespect that. And we need to maintain that hierarchy. So over here, having said the above, you see the ayah. It shows us um, the maqam of Nabi sallallahu It also shows us the maqam of the azwaj. Because depending on how lofty a status of an individual is, and proportionate to that would be uh, what is re- re- demanded from them and what is expected from them. So since they were the wise of Rasulullah they had the highest level of expectations from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala says, Ya ayuhan nabiyu, O my nabi, qulli azwajik, you should inform your wives, 
that you have two options. In kuntunna al dunya that if you are desiring this worldly life and the embellishments and uh, beauty of this worldly life, fata'alayna, then you can come, no problem. Umatti'akunna, I will give you a big share, more than what you even wanted. Wa sarahan jamila, in an amicable, nice manner, I will divorce you. Take the dunya and leave, you do not need to be the wife of Rasulullah. This is the ayah in the Quran, ayah 28, Surah Al-Ahzab. There's one option. Number two, وَإِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And on the other hand, if you want the pleasure of Allah and you want the pleasure of Rasulullah وَالدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ And you want to have the hereafter and the lofty status in the Jannah as the Ummuhatul Mu'mineen, as the Azwajul Mutahharat, then, then you have to be patient. Don't even ask for what would otherwise be considered a, a very legitimate request for additional some money. They're literally at the point of starvation. And the money has come in. But don't ask that. It's right here, ayah 29. You will receive, if you want Allah and the Rasul and the Dar al Then Allah will, has promised a very great reward for those who do good deeds amongst you. And then, Allah Ta'ala mentions both sides. If you commit a sin, it's, it's going to be multiplied. And if you commit a good deed, it will be multiplied. Just like when we go in the haram, uh, when we commit good deeds, the rewards are multiplied. But the sins are also multiplied. Because it's a greater violation that we are disobeying Allah in the sacred haram. So over here, Allah Ta'ala says, Ya Nisa al-Nabiyyi, O the wives of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Whoever amongst you comes with a sin, an open sin, then her punishment will be double. Allah will double the punishment. It's a warning. And this is easy for Allah. And then the, and then the first ayah of the 22nd Jews, ayah 31. And whoever amongst you will be obedient to Allah and the Rasul and will do righteous deeds. For them we will give double the reward as well. Ajraha maratin, double reward. Wa'atadna laha rizqan kariman. And Allah will prepare a um, rizqan honorable provision. Now Allah Ta'ala says, Ya Nisa and Nabi, all the Nisa, all the wives of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Keeps on addressing them so many times back to back here. Ayah 32. Ya Nisa and Nabi, all the Nisa, all the wives of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Lastunnaka ahadim minan Nisa. That you are not like other women, Allah has given you a very lofty status. If you fear Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching the etiquette of speech. He says, So when you are speaking to men, then do not speak in an alluring manner, in a flirtatious manner, in a soft manner, in a seductive manner. Then a person in whose heart there may be some sickness, he may end up having a haram thoughts and it may lead him towards sin. So do not even speak in such a soft manner. You should speak in a professional manner to the point without diverting, both with respect to the topic of the discussion and with respect to the tone that you speak. So if it's unnecessary talk, even in a proper tone, it's not permitted. And if it is a necessary talk, but not in the proper tone, that is also not permitted.
watch the topic that you're the content as well as the style of the delivery of the content both are prohibited here waqarna fi buyutikunna primarily allah is commanding say to remain in your homes doesn't mean you cannot ever leave your home but leaving the home is due to necessity that's not the primary place to be wala tabarrajna tabarruj al-jahiliyah al-ula and do not go about flaunting your beauty the way the women were in the jahiliyah in the ignorant times of ignorance wa qimna salata and establish the salah wa atina zakat discharge your zakat wa ati'na allah wa rasulah and obey allah and rasul inma yuridu allah liyudhiba ankum ar-rijs allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to remove all impurities from you O Ahlul Bayt, the family of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wa yitahhirakum tathhira. And he wants to purify you. That's why they're known as al-azwaj al-mutahharat, because Allah has purified them. Wa'thkurna ma yutla fi biyutikunna min ayat Allah wa al-hikma inna Allah kana latifan khabira. And continue to make dhikr of those ayat that are not recited in your homes, in fact revealed in your homes, on your husband Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the verses of Allah that are full of wisdom, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all aware of what you're doing. So when this ayah was revealed, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded that قُلِّ أَزْوَاجِ Go and tell them. So he went and he started off with Aisha Siddiqah radiallahu anha and he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed this ayah which is called the ayah to takhir, the ayah of the choice that was given. فَبَدَى sallallahu alayhi wa sallam بِعَيْشَةِ فَقَالَ لَهَا إِنِّي ذَاكِرٌ لَكَ أَمْرًا He said, I have to come and discuss a matter with you. مَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ تَعْجَلِي فِي I do not want you to be hasty in making a judgment. حَتَّى تَسْتَأْمِرِي أَبَوَيْكَ You should go and take mashwara from your father Abu Bakr and your mother. تَأْخُذِي رَأْيَهُمَ Take their opinion. قَالَتْ وَمَا هُوَ She said, what is that opinion that I need to take? What is the matter? فَتَلَا عَلِيهَا الْآيَةَ Then he recited the ayah upon her. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ قُلْ لِأَزْوَاجِكَ in kuntunna turidna al-hayatu dunya wa zinatha if you want the worldly life and its adornments fata'alin kum umatti'kunna i'll give you the dunya wa sirhkunna and i'll divorce you and on the other hand if you want allah and rasul and akhirah then prepare for sabr and great reward in the akhirah qala aisha radiyallahu anha she said afika astamiru abawayya regarding you remaining your wife in for you to be my husband do i need to take mashwara from my parents بَلْ أَخْتَارُ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَالدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ Rather, I choose Allah and Rasul in the hereafter. And this is how all the wives of Rasulullah responded in the same manner. اِخْتَرْنَ جَمِيعًا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ They all chose Allah and Rasul. This is narrated by Muslim. So all, many of these incidents, they happen for what? For تَعْلِيمَ النُّمَةِ To teach us. Those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the highest rank, it was not because of any other way, uh, reason, but because of their sacrifice just like we have different grades within our society you know these are the upper class people these are the middle class lower class based on uh, different ways we rank each other based on uh, financial strength or education or families of uh, political uh, connections or color or race or language or beauty all of these different rankings but this is the ayah that we covered in, in fact in the wither today. Ya ayyuhannasu inna khalaqnaakum min dhakari wa untha O mankind, we have created for male and female. Wujjallakum shu'uban wa qabail, many tribes and nations. Lita'arafu inna akramakum indallahi atqaqum. The most honorable amongst you are the ones who fear Allah the most. So the ranking in the time of Rasulullah was based on sacrifice. And one 
concrete example, objective way of seeing that ranking, because that's something subjective. Is there an objective way of saying this is rank, rank number one, two, three, four? Is if you look at um, the government well, um, program in the Khilafat of Umar Farooq radiallahu anhu of giving stipends from the Baytul Mal to the members of the public because um, they were not being taxed. In fact, the Mal al-Ghanima that was coming in from Qaisar and Kisra's treasures that they had amassed for centuries was pouring to Medina. They have so much money they did not know what to do frankly with it. So instead of taxing the population, then everyone was getting, you know, it's not a tax refund. Tax refund is you give the tax and you get a refund back. Some of it, some small portion of it perhaps. But this is just, just getting money from the government. Uh, so there was a system, pension, I mean, you can't even call it a pension system. Government benefits. For, for what? For being a citizen. That's it. So, um, there was a system of, of, that Umar Adilan established. Amongst them, so he had the Azwaj al-Mutahharat of Rasulullah they get so much per month. Then the Ashab al-Badr, 313, they're whoever is alive amongst them, who remained alive. Then Ashab of Uhad, then Ashab of uh, Khandaq, then Ashab al-Hudaybiyah, 1400. Then those who participated uh, in the Fatih Makkah. Then those who accepted Islam after Fatih Makkah. So the ranking is based on who has given more sacrifice for the deen, they have a higher status. So the wise of Rasulullah they made this ultimate sacrifice and that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them that lofty status. And those who are doing the effort of deen, they have to uh, remind themselves that you know one is the amal bil fatwa and one is amal bil taqwa. Right? One is the fatwa, what is technically legal or illegal, what is technically permissible or not permissible, and what is to go above and beyond that, what are the dictates of taqwa. So there have to be some people who are uh, trying to uphold the level of taqwa. Things that technically may be permissible, but can lead to that which is impermissible. And they abstain from that as well. If no one's going to uphold the level of taqwa and everyone's going to go for the fatwa, then what's going to happen is that uh, then the whole deen will itself become watered down and will be lost. So this, you know, having, I don't want to use the term double standard because double standard gives a negative connotation. But to hold yourself to a higher standard, we find that in the sunnah of Rasulullah I may have mentioned this before, like sometimes our students may say that, you know, we have so many regulations in the seminary, Darussalam, and then the general public, you know, they're, you're so relaxed with them. Why do we have so many rules? So I explained to them that, you know, you are a dedicated student of the sacred sciences, and you uh, are, have adopted this path, so you have to hold yourself to a higher standard, and we have to hold you to a higher standard. And other people may be coming at whatever level they are. So if there's a regular musalli, you are at a higher standard. There's a person in itikaf, is at a higher standard. And then if there's a person who comes for the first time, so he doesn't know, um, and he just walks in. If there's an interfaith event taking place, and there's an non-Muslim comes in, then his behavior will be at a different level. So if we take the hadith of Rasulullah that, when a Bedouin came and he urinated in the masjid. So if you are in the masjid and you don't have any emergency and then you start urinating in the, in the corner or in the south or anywhere and then you say this happened in the time of Rasulullah And the Prophet وسلم, when the Sahaba went to stop him, what did he say? He said, no, let him finish. Because now he started, it's going to cause him more pain to stop midway. And afterwards he said, bring some buckets of water and throw it on there. Because the floor was what? Sand. So 
and it was very, uh, it was not being irrigated or anything, so dry sand, very quickly it, it went down. And then if you throw a couple more buckets on it, the water will take whatever remnants of the urine, what further down, deep down into the bowels of the earth. <laughs> it's gone. So there's no trace of, of the urine anymore. So we take that hadith, and then we, uh, we apply it for ourselves, na'udhu because we're not a non-Muslim, or nowhere are we an outsider, we are a Muslim who frequents the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we, we should be careful about ourselves and about our children. Like there is a whole detailed announcement that I, I it was given on the woman's side. I don't want to repeat it here, but amongst them is that soil diapers. Our volunteers after this taravi right now in this month of Ramadan, this week, of our children, they're filled with filth and excreta in the, in the musalla. People pray and put their forehead on the sajda and make sajda, and you're leaving your soil diapers there, right? So if you cha- who changed the diaper? The baby changed the diaper by himself? I don't think so, right? The baby is not at fault here. We changed the diaper and we left. Maybe. Inshallah, we hope it's uh, a mistake. But uh, inshallah, we believe so. But we have to just be more vigilant. We cannot... Uh, it's the state of ghafla that makes us make, uh, forget. Because this is uh, one of the tafsirs of Mufti al-Hasab in our class. I remember he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all, already said, or Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa already told us, Rufi an al-umma al-khata'u nisyan If someone completely forgets something and makes a mistake, then Allah ta'ala has already... Forgiven. That's why when you're fasting, if you completely forget your fasting and you take a sip of water, and thereafter somebody reminds you or you remember, oh, I was fasting, then your fast does not break. It is food that Allah has given you and drink Allah has given you for, uh, and for free as a gift, and your fast is intact. So, for that which is nasina, uh, you forget, it's forgiven. So then when we were doing tafsir, we came to the ayah, well-known ayah, last ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنَّ نَسِينَا وَاخْتَعْنَا Oh Allah, do not take us to task if we forget. So then our Ustaz, he said, look, isn't it already forgiven if you forget? So then asking for forgiveness for that which is already forgiven is a futile dua, waste, waste of time. But that cannot be the case. So there is something we have to understand what is going on here. This is known as تحصيل الحاصل To acquire that which is already acquired. So why are you asking forgiveness for that which Allah has already said He has forgiven? So then he explained like, why, does the, why do we forget? The reason we're forgetting is because we're in a state of ghafla, and that state of ghafla leads us to forget. And if you were in a state of awareness, we wouldn't have forgotten. So uh, when we're asking Allah, لَا تُعَخِذْنَا إِنَّ نَسِينَا We are making dua to Allah Ta'ala, O oh Allah, forgive us for being in such a state of ghafla that leads us to forget. Like for example, in the winter, when the salah times are very close together, and you're shopping at the mall, and perhaps it's asr salah, that's a very easy one, because Allah Ta'ala says, hafidu ala salawat, be punctual upon all the five prayers. Was salatil wusta, particularly the middle one. Fajr al-Dhuhr on one side, Maghrib Isha on the other side. So the middle one is asr. So if you're shopping at asr time, uh, and then you know, you're going to get this, yeah, yeah, I got to pray, I know. But then, then you're so busy, and then what happens? And then you look at your watch, oh my God. Sunset already. So you wanted to pray, but then you forgot. You got so engaged in what you were doing that you ended up missing the prayer. Even though you, mashallah, you pakka namazi, very punctual in your prayer. But what happened? You forgot. But how did you forget? Because state of ghafla. Whereas there are people in the ICU, like barely, you know, they're coming out of anesthesia, and first thing they're saying is, my salah, my salah, my salah. Right? Yeah, but you're in the recovery room, you know, are you nauseated? Are you throwing up? No, no, my salah, my salah. 
So this, this because they're very much aware of it. They're not in a state of ghafla. Right? So we're walking around fully in our senses. We're, you know, we're like in general anesthesia. And they're actually in general anesthesia. They're fully alert. It's the opposite scenario. So this is the state of ghafla that has led to uh, yani some of the filth that we are seeing in the masajid that we are leaving behind. So we cannot take that hadith. Everyone has a different level. You may have remembered the story I mentioned frequently about Umar radiallahu anhu, right? When there were two people speaking in the khutbah. So he picked up a few pebbles and, and, and he uh, threw it at them. Afterwards, he threw some pebbles at them where he was sitting. So they said, turned around because it was sand again, the floor. Then he turned around to see who, who, who flung a pebble at us. He saw it was Umar radiallahu anhu. He got their attention. He said, come here. So when they came, he said, antuma, where are you from? They said, nahnu min thaqif. We are from Banu Thaqif. And the Banu Thaqif were residents of Ta'if. So he said, okay, you know what? Law kuntuma min balad, If you two were residents of Medina, then you would have been wet. Because do you not know it is absolutely haram to speak during the khutbah? But you are from Ta'if. So you have not had the opportunity to be educated, so I will educate you. When the Imam starts the khutbah, there is no salah, there is no speech. Whoever tells his brother, be quiet, he has committed a sin. The one who is speaking has committed a sin for sure, but the one who is actually telling people, be quiet, has committed a sin. You're not even supposed to say, be quiet. That's the impermissibility of speaking is at that level. And the fuqaha mentioned, وَالنَّائِفِهِ كَالْقَرِيبِ The one who is so far away, without a microphone and a speaker system in the past, when you look at the masajid, how gigantic they were in the past. The people who are so far away, he cannot hear a single word of the khatib. The, 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 uh, the mandatory level of, um, yani, the wujub, and the compulsory nature of remaining silent is upon the one who is in the first saf as the one in the, who is in the last saf who cannot even hear the khutbah. Right. So he said that you didn't get an opportunity to learn, so I'm teaching you. But if you were from Ahl Madinah, then you would be at a higher standard. So they are different standards. Those who have exposure to the deen, they, they have, you know, we cannot say, you know, we always, we're looking at the lower standards of people. Instead, we should be looking at the higher standards. See, how can I get into the more exclusive club? More, uh, mashallah, executive level, premium level, platinum level. And that will be by making, uh, by being more strict with ourselves. What happens is that we have to be very, very, very strict and we have to be very, very accommodating. Very strict with whom? With ourselves and very accommodating for others. And unfortunately, we reverse it. We are very strict and quick to pass judgment on others. But we are super accommodating and we find excuses for ourselves. It's supposed to be the other way around. May Allah Ta'ala grant us hidayah. Over here Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, also speaks about... Um, so this is, this is a brief note on the fact that the good deeds will be rewarded double and the sins will be also double. May Allah protect us. And Allah Ta'ala speaks about... Um, do not speak in, a, in, in such a manner. Subhanallah, when it's normal speech, that, uh, that if it's spoken in, a, in such a manner, a flirtation manner, is haram. Who is Allah addressing? The wise of Rasulullah They are those whom Allah Ta'ala already said, He has purified you. And there is no possibility of marriage. 
after Rasulullah passes away as well, there's no possibility of marriage. Because Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَنْكِحُوا مَا Allah Ta'ala says, وَزْوَاجُهُ أُمَّهَاتُهُمْ His wives are your mothers. And specifically Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala also made it uh, mention that it is haram to marry the wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَلَا أَن تَنْكِحُوا أَزْوَاجَهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ أَبَدًا this is in ayah 53. You cannot marry the wives of Rasulullah after. So when you cannot marry someone, then it's haram to marry. That is the definition of what a mahram is. What is the definition of a mahram and a non-mahram? The mahram comes from the word hurmat, which means that it's haram to marry. So since it's haram to marry, provided there is no incestuous shots and the person has not completely lost his mind in his shahwat, in a normal scenario, since there's no possibility of marriage, then there's no possibility, uh, there's less chance of fitna, of flirtatious behavior leading towards some illicit activity. So that's why the commandments of hijab and niqab and of hurm uh, and the khalwat being haram do not apply. Right? So if you have two ayats about this, for example, one ayat Allah is addressing the men and telling the men which relations you cannot marry. Another ayat, that's in Surah An-Nisa. Another ayat in Surah An-Nur, Allah Ta'ala is addressing the women that, who are your mahrams that you do not have to observe hijab in front of. And you compare the relations. One is from the men's side, one is from the women's side. It's a, they exactly match. So when Allah Ta'ala is explaining in Surah An-Nisa, He says, He's addressing the men here. It's haram for you to marry ummahatukum, your mothers. وَبَنَاتُكُمْ your daughters. وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ your sisters. وَعَمَّاتُكُمْ your paternal aunts. وَخَالَاتُكُمْ Your maternal aunts وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِي أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ Your foster mothers who uh, uh, fed you milk when you were under the age of two وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَعَ Your foster uh, sisters وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ Your wives' mothers, mother-in-laws وَرَبَائِبِكُمُ اللَّاتِي فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِنْ نِسَائِكُمُ اللَّاتِي دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُونُ دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ فَلَا Meaning your stepdaughter. In short, it means the stepdaughter. And one tajma'a bayn al to have two wives, uh, two sisters as wives, co-wives, it's haram. And la tankihu abaukum min nisa to marry any woman your father married, meaning stepmother. So these are haram for a male to marry. So the, the, he is a mahram for all of these women. So he would be a mahram for his mother, his sister, his daughter, radai or otherwise mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, paternal aunt, maternal aunt, and nieces as well. This is the one I missed. Sisters, daughters, and brothers, daughters, meaning nieces. And, and so, so is they're haram to marry, therefore you're mahram. And when Allah Ta'ala is addressing the woman now in Surah Al-Nur, He says, Tell the believing women that they should um, lower their gazes. Do not look at men in a lustful manner. This prohibition is not only for men, it's also for women. Do not look lustfully at men. Guard their private parts. They should not expose their, uh, or, uh, their adornments. And then Allah mentions, Except for their husbands. Or their fathers. O abai bi'ulatihinna husbands fathers father in law O abnaihinna or their sons O abnai bi'ulatihinna or their husbands sons meaning stepsons 
Mm. Or their own brothers. Their brothers, sons, nephews. Their sisters, sons, nephews. Or other women. So over here you have the whole list from the, addressing the women and you have the list of men. When Allah is addressing the men, He has the list of women. So who, you, who a woman does a hijab from and who she has exempted from? Who she has exempted from? The same ones that are mahram. So what's the, what do we've learned from that? The illa, the causative factor is the fact that it's haram to get married means that there's less chance of fitna. So therefore, uh, if they're together alone, then that's not a problem. Because she's not a ajnabiya or you are not a ajnabi. You're not a stranger to each other. You're, you're related in the prohibited decree, they call it, in the English fiqh books. Prohibited decree, you're so close that it's prohibited to get married, so it should not be a problem. So in that same case, if you use that logic with the azwaj al-mutahharat, first of all, Allah Ta'ala said, Allah has purified you. They are, the wise of Rasulullah they are at such a high level. In fact, all of the wives of all of India in the past, they never committed any, the sin of adultery. Even Shirk they may have committed, Imratunuh and Imratulut, but never adultery. Because if they commit shirk, this is such a fault which falls on them. But if a, if a wife of a Nabi would commit adultery, then this also reflects on the Nabi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept the honor of the Anbiya such that never, none of their wives ever committed this act. So they are purified, they can never commit the act. And then Allah ta'ala is talking about them. And saying, you, when you speak, you speak in such a manner. Because, is, is any possibility of anyone marrying them? No. Yet Allah is saying this. SubhanAllah. Someone in whose heart there is a sickness, he will be inclined towards you. And you will get the sin of that. So therefore speak. How should you speak? Allah Ta'ala says in the same surah, When they ask you for any of their needs, They should ask you from behind a barrier. You know, there's a big question like, where did the barrier come from? It came from Surah Al-Ahzab. They should ask you from behind the barrier. Then Allah Ta'ala said, This is more pure for your hearts, O Sahaba, and for their hearts, Azwaj al-Mutaharat. So who are going to learn from the Azwaj al-Mutaharat and asking for about a hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu This were the Sahaba. This is your Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf, and Talha ibn Ubaidullah, and Zubair ibn Awam. This is Ashara Mubashara bil Jannah. They're walking the earth and they already got the confirmed booking reservation in Jannah by Rasulullah that you are entering Jannah. The Ashara Mubashara bil Jannah, Allah Ta'ala is addressing them and saying, This is more pure for your hearts. Where do we stand then? Right? Where do we stand in comparison? So when speaking in, in something which is considered a seductive manner is haram, then uh, outright music in which the lyrics are themselves suggestive and obscene in nature, along with the musical instruments, along with uh, beautifying oneself for each other, male for females or, or, or male, uh, females for males, all of this is haram on so many different accounts. So if the ummah is engaged in these practices, for whatever cultural reasons, but at least they recognize it to be haram, they make istighfar, then 
we can hope in the forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The problem comes when we end up going so far as to denying all of this and proving the opposite to be the truth and that the, that the opposite is the actual reality. And this is, in fact, na'udhu billah, somehow some convoluted understanding of the deen proving it to be the actual deen. That is, that's when it becomes a very dangerous situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. To say that, no, you know, this is all later day in, um, interpretations and things that were made up. This is something that is very explicit in the Quran. Another thing that is very commonly thrown about currently is that, uh, okay, you, you have your eyes, man, so you are responsible what you look at. Why am I responsible? For your sin, right? So, in, in men also have the desire to show off their physical uh, physique and their beauty. Women also have the desire to look at men. But having said that, primarily the test for the men is not to gaze at women. And primarily the test for women is not to display and flaunt their beauty. Doesn't mean that men don't flaunt their beauty. It doesn't mean that women don't look at men. Both happen. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions both at a second degree. But the primary thing for men is not to look at the woman's beauty. And primary thing for women is not to flaunt their beauty. So each one is an independent sin. What happens is the man who is looking lustfully, he's absolutely uh, committing a major sin and he will be asked about that. And Allah, uh, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, that the, the, ayn, the eyes commit zina and the zina of the eyes is to look the first glance is forgiven second glance is an arrow from shaitan etc so the fact that the man is looking it's, it's haram no doubt about it we're not saying he's, caught, you know, he's free and he, ha- he has no blame but the, the woman who is displaying her beauty is also sinful that's all because she has been commanded not to display her beauty so when we talk about, you know, it's haram for a woman to display her beauty, automatically the knee-jerk reaction is that, you know, if he's looking at haram, that's his problem. He's controlling his eyes. Why am I, why are you blaming me with his weakness? If he's so weak, he cannot control his gaze. Why, how am I responsible for that? I may dress the way I want for myself. Or, or to show to those whom it is permissible for me to show. Whoever looks at me that it's permissible for them to look, it's permissible. And whoever looks at my beauty, or gazes at it, or stares at it, and it's not permissible, that's his fault. So why am I responsible? So over here, look at the wording. The, um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have, tell, uh, could have told the, the wise of Rasulullah that whoever ha- harbors in his heart na'udhu obscene ideas and wrong thoughts and impure thoughts about the azwaj of Rasulullah curse upon him and he may be destroyed and burned in hell. You're not responsible for that. Allah could have said that. But look what he said. فَلَا تَغْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ do not speak in such a alluring manner. And there is a fa there. And the fa, fa fa is shows the cause and effect relationship. Because this will become a cause of marad. That the one in whose heart is sickness. He's the one who has a sick heart. He's demented, corrupted. And he is uh, affected by shaitan who has overcome him. But when he has his marad, he will end up being inclined in a wrong manner. And because... You, initi- you initiated such a uh, conversation that led him on that uh, was, um, uh, may have caused him to feel in this manner, you are also responsible. So there is a responsibility attached here. Yani is, like we spoke about cursing um, false gods, you will say that, you know, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, la ilaha illahu, there is no one worthy of worship besides him. False gods is the greatest sin. Shirk, in the shirk al-zulman azim. Yet Allah ta'ala says, wa la tasubbul ladhina yad'una min dunillah, do not curse the false gods. Because they will curse Allah back in return. And you will have become a cause of that. So Nabi Wasallam also mentioned that the punishment for the one who curses his parents. Nowadays, unfortunately, that crime directly may be happening. But in the time of the Sahaba, they could not even fathom that. How in the world is that possible? So Nabi Wasallam had to, for their understanding, give an example that if someone curses someone else's parents, and then what happens in response, he ends up cursing uh, the cursor's parents back in retaliation. So this is how you effectively ended up causing your parents to be cursed. So being a means of a sin coming into existence is a sin of itself. That's all I'm trying to prove. It, now the one who's cursing the parents back, the one who's cursing Allah, are they sinful? Absolutely. But what did you? their sin is in fact a greater level. We can even say that. But if you became the means of that, there is a sin that you have committed as well. That's all I'm trying to say. Because there is a very strong movement that denies that altogether. and says, why are you blaming us for the weakness of men? Or a male who is displaying his beauty is saying, why are you blaming me if women are looking at me? No, you need to uh, not expose yourself in such a manner, male or female. So we have to help each other to create an environment that is pure that created a mu'ashara, that it becomes difficult for us to engage in. Inshallah, may Allah protect us from all the premarital relations or extramarital relations uh, and to give strength in the marital ones. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a, a pure uh, society and some of the lessons that we see here in these ayat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us more tawfiq. This is a topic that inshallah is going to be covered in greater detail as, as soon as uh, uh, Fajr, in fact, on the schedule tomorrow after Fajr will be this topic. Some of these ayat I may quote again, and it'll be an opportunity to reflect once again. But this is uh, was not planned; it was coming in Surah Al-Ahzab, and we ended up coming on uh, on these ayat. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala grant us the clarity of understanding on this important matter that is very confusing, and we cannot understand. You know, this is 2023. This is the United States of America. We, I live here too. I was born here in Chicago, in fact. So. Uh, the real life outside, you know, I, I don't, uh, I wish, I'm in Itikaf now 10 days, but I, I don't, I, otherwise I leave Dar es Salaam, <laughs> I go out in the world, I go to the store, I go to the markets, and I go to the, mar- you know, from, uh, to Walmart, to the, the mall sometimes if I have to go. But, I'm not saying that we can recreate the Mu'ashara of Madinatul Munawwara everywhere we go, but at least the sacred spaces, the Masajid, which have been dedicated for the worship of Allah and the Masajid Allah. We have the uh, uh, right to, no one can interfere here. This is the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one is forcing down their laws upon us. So we can at least try to create an Islamic mu'ashara here in the house of Allah, if nowhere else. Okay, we can, even in our own weddings and everything, we want, whatever people are doing, whatever we're doing. But we're talking about the house of Allah at this point. So let us try to maintain some sanctity in the house of worship. The house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try to keep one safe zone, one pure zone. And something for our children to look at and observe and say, okay, this is how it's supposed to ideally be. But unfortunately, it's not that. We're not living in an ideal world. We're living in the world that it is. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants hidayah to mankind, then inshallah, this type of society can exist outward, outside too. But at least it's limited here. And, and then, um, and, and we have some living example to refer back to. And if we say that, hey, this is what happens, don't you go to Walmart, 
what do you do there? You have you have your women's section, men's section in Walmart. So no, but is the masjid Walmart or is the masjid the mall or is the masjid? In fact, it's the exact opposite. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Inna habbal biladi ilallahi masajiduha." The most beloved piece of earth in the eyes of Allah are the masajid. In the abghadul biladi ilallah, the most despised pieces of earth in the eyes of Allah are the aswaqah, the markets. So you're talking because in the markets, the dunya material is praised. Come by my wares; they are so beautiful, they are so fine. And in the masajid, Allah is praised. And where is Allah and where is the makhluk? So, fi buyutin adin Allah wa turfa wa yuthkara fiha smuhu yusabbihu lahu fiha bil ghudwi wal asal. In the masajid, Allah is praised. In the markets, the material is praised. So we're comparing the two. Rather, we should say, let's try to bring the mu'ashara from the masjid to the markets, rather than bringing the markets into the masjid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us to endure more discussion about this tomorrow morning, insha'Allah. Wa akhru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, Mufti Azimuddin's session with the youth uh, that takes place every night will be taking place at 12.30. That will be uh, streamed online, uh, inshallah. And uh, the women's section of the masjid for cleaning and maintenance purposes will, will be uh, closing uh, by midnight, inshallah. And till Fajr, we have cleaning. From Fajr, it's open till midnight. And from midnight till Fajr, the women's section is closed. But the program that will take place, Abu Azimuddin, will be live streamed. Jazakumullah khair.